Welcome to Getting Goosebumps, The Power of Storytelling, the weekly podcast helping you to craft stories that inspire, entertain, and convince. Each week, listen to leading industry experts, from top marketers and CEOs to producers and writers from the entertainment industry. Learn how to elevate your brand message and spare your audience into action. Hello and welcome to another episode of Getting Goosebumps. In this week's show, I'm pleased to be joined by a fellow podcast host, Jürgen Sundberg. Jürgen is the host of the Employer Branding Podcast and he's the CEO at Link Humans, which is an agency helping brands find the right people. Jürgen has impressively interviewed over 50 employer branding experts to gain insights on their innovative strategies and tactics. It was a real pleasure talking to Jürgen on a topic we're both so passionate about. And today we discuss in detail the general position of employer branding, how it's developed among big brands and where it's heading in the future. Jürgen offers some fascinating and thought-provoking insights and I'm sure you'll find this stimulating. So hello and welcome back to another show. Uh, this week I'm particularly excited to welcome Jürgen Sundberg, CEO of Link Humans and host of the Employer Branding Podcast, a, fe- a fellow podcaster. Welcome to the show, Jürgen. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. It's good, it's good to talk to you. Um, I'm right in thinking that you've, you've actually, uh, on your podcast, you've interviewed over 50 or so employer branding leaders to date. That's, that's kind of relentless. Uh, that must be really interesting for you to pursue, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it's the best way for me to learn and hopefully for, for my audience as well. And uh, yeah, it's relentless. It, I mean, it's a weekly podcast, which in a way is good because it keeps the pressure up for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have to be out there and, and chase people to, to be on, on the show and then try to make interesting content out of that. And uh, yeah, so one a week. So, so it's 50 in the last last year. And uh, I've learned, learned a lot. And uh, yeah, I just really, really enjoy it. Well, that's obviously enjoying it's really, really key. Um, but you're right, you, it is the best way to learn, isn't it? You know, because I know on this podcast, especially when I'm interviewing authors, Christ, I find mm. myself reading a book a week, which I haven't done that you know for years. It's um, it takes you in a whole host of sort of weird and wonderful directions. But it, having a good conversation with an expert, brilliant way to um, to, to learn yourself. It's not just about sort of um, offering learnings to the audience, is it? Yeah, so I think everyone listening to this, they should all start their own podcast or perhaps just uh, chat, chatting to people who, you know, if you've read someone's book, that's really good, then feel free to reach out to them. Most people will actually reply. So if you have in-depth questions, just go ahead and, and fire them off. It's the best way to learn. Do you, do you know, it's interesting you say that because I've found that people are generally so nice that when you reach out to them, you think, do you know what, I'll probably never hear back from them. Um, mm. But, but, you know, you, you're pleasantly surprised. I guess a lot of the time, the reason you don't speak to these people is just because you don't ask or, or reach out. Uh, yeah, and I think also we believe that, you know, authors and speakers, they're up on this pedestal, they'll never have time for us. But from their end, it's like they need that feedback and to hear what, what the reactions are out there. So it's, it's a win-win, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess um, some would see us as um, competitors in the marketplace, here, but... I just see us as um, fellow pioneers in the space, trying to um, trying to learn more, hungry to offer something. It's you know, it's it's good to have you on and, and good to yeah. chat about employee branding today. Absolutely, and I think we uh, or anyone that works in employer brand, we can all you know, work to grow the the category and uh, the function of employer brand. And uh, 
um, yeah, absolutely. Being on this is, is my absolute pleasure. So to get us started, Jürgen, I'm really interested. What's your view of the employer brand landscape just in general at the moment? Oh, big question. Yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah, I think the employer brand was um, sort of introduced, you know, 10, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, it's had a, an upward trajectory since then. But it's also yeah. had a few troughs, I think, along the way, and then sort of jumped on social media. Uh, but now it's hopefully becoming a bit more strategic. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting. Some companies, so uh, let's say they have a hundred thousand employees, they have three people managing employee brand another company will have 25 people yeah. so it's also looking at how how is your job defined do you do solely employer brand or do you do uh, recruiting and talent nature stuff at the same time so there's there's um the, yeah there's there's a lot of different ways to approach it out there and in some companies employer branding is seen more as recruitment marketing yeah, I, th- I think I think you're right, and you know, in many respects, there's evidence all over the place that it's still in its infancy. You know, and mm. I, don't, I don't know how you find it, but sometimes a lot of our clients will come along, even you know, sort of um, forty five hundred or forty five hundred brands. Usually, there's one champion really fighting the cause yeah. inside um, that need that support. How long do you think until employer brand is a recognized um, top C-suite priority? Well, the, uh, the the bad news is that employer brand really only gets it on the radar for for, uh, for C-suite, for, for the board when, when there is a problem. Mm-hmm. So it's a, typically a knee-jerk reaction, like we're, you know, we're bleeding people to competitors, uh, or we have some reputational damage. You know, how can we repair this? And the employer brand is seen as as a route back to back uh, mm-hmm. get the company back on even keel. So that that's a bit of a shame. So that's why, you know, I think we're some way off getting every company to always think about employer brand as a, as part and parcel of, of running a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think employer brand in general, we have a bit of an issue around ROI. Yeah proving that uh, it's actually having an impact on the business uh, you know, yes you can show some marketing numbers some uh, web web traffic uh, perhaps quality of hire and so on but what's uh, what's what does it mean to the bottom line of this uh, fortune 100 company uh, when we can have impact on that then people will certainly listen yeah no absolutely and there's still a lot of discussion around the ROI of employer brand and then making a distinction between the, the, the ROI of um, an EVP. Interested to hear how, how you articulate the difference um, and, and what you look for as uh, the, the most important, important or prominent metrics around, around both, really. Yeah, I think, uh, well, the employer brand is, is your reputation as an employer. And uh, just like reputation, you can't own it. <laughs> yeah. Potentially influence, you can influence it, but, yeah, yeah. But it's what other people say about mm-hmm. you. So, so that's your employer brand. And and in terms of measuring that, I think there is there is value to the employer brand equity, just like normal brand equity, mm-hmm. and trying to understand that equity that can involve a lot of different uh, numbers. If it's a listed company, you can look at uh, financial data, and uh, but also you can look at um, your ability to attract and, and retain. Mm-hmm. So, Companies do it in different ways, but uh, then EVP, I think, is 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 sort of your attempt to draw out some of the some of the good bits 
from from the employer brand so that's to the actual employer brand so the you know the real situation um so some would argue there should be water and oil as well yeah it should be uh you know should, should be authentic and pulling out some of the the messaging pillars that you can actually use in in your communication to to candidates who may or may not know of the company as well as internally to, to employees and even perhaps to alumni so the evp communications could potentially be a bit easier to to track because it's more of a, a marketing exercise a branding yeah. exercise in that sense but uh, they're both uh, hugely important yeah absolutely i mean we we articulate the evp as um as communication to attract and repel uh yeah, I like that. <laughs> and also, you know, you mentioned what's and all. I couldn't agree more. You know, I think it's also important to articulate um, the give and the get. So, you know, not just what employees can expect to get, uh, but also what they can expect to have to give as well, right? You know, because obviously it's not just about competencies now. It's, it's about culture fit and sort of building a, a, a cohesive team. And... I've had I've seen some comments and I've had some heated discussions recently around the fact that um, some people's perception of EVP is is marketing spin. Uh, I've even seen it described as putting lipstick on a pig in some some uh, cases. What's yeah. what's your view on on that, uh, Jurgen? Well, I mean, some would argue that uh, you know some of the best companies out there they haven't even defined an EVP. They uh-huh. might have an overall mission. Yeah. So you look at yeah. uh, you know. Uh, Tesla or uh, SpaceX, uh-huh. so you could uh, argue that they don't actually need an EVP, which is potentially right. Uh, but I think it, it's it's a useful exercise uh, insofar as everyone can then speak from the same sheet, uh, hymn sheet, sing from the same hymn sheet. In, uh, so any, anything from you know the job description to the interview to the onboarding process to your employee experience to the day you leave. There should be some consistent ways of communicating and consistent themes and uh, uh, really um, styles and attributes that uh, it's, it stays within. So I think it's important to give people some parameters. Um, so, so from that perspective, it, it is important. Mm-hmm. However, it's not for it, it's not a hundred percent requirement for every company on the planet. Yeah, you know, especially companies at, at different stages. Um, you know, but you mentioned Tesla and SpaceX, like two sexy brands. You know that yep. um, you know probably don't have problems uh, attracting talent. But do you think? Do you think even even with those brands, it's still a great exercise? I mean, the complexity of expression doesn't necessarily need to correlate with the complexity and comprehension of the research and the thinking behind it. In fact, you know. Really, I guess part of our job as, as professional communicators working with um, with these brands is to give them just clarity and simplicity. Do you, do you think that should be a measure of how simply you can communicate the basic essence of you know what it is to the works and where what what's expected um, and what you can expect to get in return? Yeah, I mean, I think the the one of the challenges with EVP is really to distill it into you know one tagline. Um, mm-hmm. you know, three to five pillars when you probably have 40 pillars sitting there <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's really what what are the ones that we really think are, are pertinent to to this specific company yeah. so yeah it, yeah i mean some you know the best communicators can bring it down to a really simple level and 
and really deliver the message yeah. for sure. Yeah, so the old Einstein quote comes to mind. If you if you can't explain it simply enough, you probably don't know it well enough, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So here's one for you, Jürgen. And we have we have this conversation with a number of our peers and colleagues and, and even clients. What's your view on um, if you had to put a percentage split? And it might not be this easy, but it'll certainly kick off a, a good sort of conversation point of. Um, an employer brand, uh, articulating an employer brand and EVP in reality, so that what and all sort of stuff we were, we were talking about, you know, mm-hmm. what's it like? Plus, then there also needs to be an aspect of inspiration, you know, forward-facing, this is where we're going, you mm-hmm. know. It's a careful balance, isn't it? Because you go far too into the future and it just becomes marketing that no one buys into and, you know, uh, doesn't propel the company forward. But if it's just a snapshot of reality and it's not inspiring or it doesn't give any indication of of the why and the possibi- possibility, then actually it doesn't particularly help you in the marketplace to attract or retain, I guess. So what's your approach to, to, to getting that balance right? Yeah, I think if there is no EVP in place and people are saying different things, then perhaps just bringing something that's a bit vanilla together that could be a first step and uh, can actually be useful but then you face the the challenge with okay now you know bank a has the exact same EVP as bank b c and d nothing's unique so that's when you start to have to look at sophisticating it a little bit and go like okay so what what, what's it really like you know why would someone choose us over them and so so that's taking it one step further being unique so ideally that should happen from the start but you, you might not be ready for mm-hmm. for that uh, end and destination yet and also i think you're alluding to uh, sort of like aspirational bits as well so it could be that you know this company we we uh, we know we don't have fantastic flexibility um inside the organization just yet but it's something that we're working on so within the next three years it could be like one of the pillars is you know we're, we're developing the best uh, flexible work program um, in uh, in the UK. So it doesn't all have to be like this is exactly how it is right now, but also this is uh, where we're heading, and at least there should be a plan in place, and then yeah. people know where it's going. Yeah, I totally agree. And I guess as long as you're very explicit with that, and you're not claiming it to be so and to be reality right now, mm. there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, this is where we're heading, and this is what we're asking of you to, to get there, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I guess the um, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, uh, you know, from a employer brand and EVP point of view, would be um, if it was our audience that was having the conversation about us and it wasn't all manufactured and pushed out and... Um, very uh, process driven I guess because if it's constantly look this is who we are and we're handing out these messages and broadcasting then it's kind of not doing its job what's your approach to generating conversation getting it adopted within an employee base and in a, in a marketplace so it starts to to well deliver an ROI and um, you know deliver value to an organisation yeah, I think it's that's, that's a tricky one, isn't it? Because what comes out from the official channels is never going to be sexy and cool. Uh, it might be, but uh, 
uh, if it comes from employees or if it comes from people externally, then it's much more credible and people listen more. So, I mean, what we've seen in the last few years um, around employee advocacy is pretty mm-hmm. powerful. When you uh, you don't necessarily need to have technology, it's more about encouraging employees to share certain updates that perhaps have been validated by by someone. Um, which um, you know, some of them can just be about the industry. Some could be around um, developments and regulation and so on. And some could be about the company and perhaps some positions that are happening. But maybe not giving people too strong guidelines on this is exactly how you have to say it. It's more about we'd love you if you know if you wanted to share something around this and perhaps put your own spin onto it. Mm-hmm. That I think is much more powerful than than uh, plowing 100 grand into Facebook advertising. <laughs> Absolutely. But I guess um, I guess our job is to define what the guardrails are and also, yep. you know, to be honest enough about the purpose of the conversations that we'd like to see. Otherwise, we're, we're just facilitating conversation without purpose, really. And again, I've seen some really interesting heated debates around the purity of how an organisation should go about it. But I'm of the opinion that possibly there's a bit of confusion there. Um, We're making a distinction between authenticity and and being genuine, honest, transparent. You know, compared to, you know, but, but coupled with strategic and direct and purposeful, compared to manufacturing and and drifting into marketing spin. Where do you think the balance is, Jürgen? And what's your sort of moral compass or your, your guiding frame of, of reference there? Well, I think that the, if we t- in terms of storytelling, uh, which this podcast is all around, uh, yeah. storytelling around the EVP and around an employer brand, I think there are some stories that, that are necessary. So you know, what's the day in the life of an accountant actually like? Can we see some real accountants see you know, what do they do what does the office look like mm-hmm. so that, that i mean that could feel a bit labored a bit artificial perhaps and it's going to be you know professionally shot but those <laughs> those type of stories are necessary because someone is sitting there considering whether they're going to send off their application or not so mm-hmm. they, you know sort of bottom at the funnel but then uh, other stories which are which ge- were generated throughout the organization i think they can come around more organically and uh, they don't necessarily have to talk just about um, um, you know this certain job position, more about you know the culture and the work environment, the people. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you can get to a stage where you can essentially show a win-win situation, when you go, okay, employees, we're going to provide you with some training and some some tools, perhaps, for you to build your personal brands around um, you know working in uh, in the in banking sector mm-hmm. uh, so that's going to benefit you and it's going to benefit us as well also if you'd like to share some some stories about what it's like to work here uh, perhaps use our life at bank x hashtag then that's going to help uh, us to recruit and retain the best people ultimately that's going to let you enjoy work more because you're going to be in a better team probably going to, have to do less overtime and uh, you're probably going to be beating the competition so mm-hmm. some people re- respond really well to that others might respond better to you know gamification there could be uh, some prizes in there and so on but i think most people really appreciate that um, the company actually provides some uh, some free uh, training and really trusts their employees to to mm-hmm. say the right things yeah, and, and what I like about that approach, Jürgen, is um, 
you, you start to talk about um, designed purpose-told stories with an outcome in mind. So telling stories at the top of the funnel just to get a brand on somebody's radar, perfectly acceptable. A story that is designed to demonstrate career progression and to, um, or perhaps to articulate the vibe and the, the sort of the culture of, of an office. You know, looking at the different stages of attraction and retention. You know, do you think there's a big trick often missed with because everybody's jumped on the storytelling bandwagon? I think it's like you've got to, got to tell great emotional stories. Do you think there's a layer of strategy missing um, linking the challenges of a brand and linking the sort of process you're trying to move people through um, with these stories that are needed to to enable that? Do you think there's still some? learning and uh, work to be done in the industry there. Do you mean in terms of uh, funnel where people are in their uh, decision-making process? Yeah, so you know, at the top of the funnel, it might be stories designed to inspire, but yeah. lower down, stories designed to educate and, and convince. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think that's the difference between employer brand campaigns and recruitment marketing campaigns, yeah. ultimately. Yeah. Uh, the brand is more there to you know, get, get on the radar for, for this company, understand who they are, and they, they, you know, they may or may not have jobs open. But uh, recruitment marketing is like, okay, these are the vacancies that, that might take place more on a, on a job board or even on LinkedIn and those places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the messaging should be different, should be more you know, call to action. Um, whereas at the top, it, it's more about you know perhaps getting someone to subscribe to a YouTube channel, something like that. So yeah, slightly different metrics, it's different messaging, but uh, all very important. And it also depends on where where the company is, where where the pain points are. Um, yeah, so it comes back to the the overall uh, EVP strategy, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, once you've done um, uh, an EVP. Uh, the employer brand, you start to embed everything and um, you're moving into the recruitment marketing phase. What are some of the metrics you look back on after six, nine, 12 months to determine the effectiveness of, uh, of your employer brand? Yeah, so it really depends on uh, what the company internally is tracking. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they're looking at things like quality of hire, that's great, time to hire. Um, Ratios as well, so applicants to hire metrics. Um, another fantastic one is uh, you know, for, for people like us is uh, cost savings. Yeah. So if, if they can show that uh, you know, we didn't have to advertise as much, we didn't have to work with uh, staffing firms as much, then uh, yeah, that, there's a clear business case right there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you find that there's a sort of obviously it does change? based on the, the priorities and situation of, of organisations. Do you go in with a baseline um, dashboard or recommendations? How do, you, how do you audit and assess? Because a lot of our clients, they literally they ask the question, but it's quite open-ended. Um, you know, we're yet to find organisations come to us and say, this is what we want to measure and improve. Yeah, it's, uh, so we've developed something called the Employer Brand Index, so mm-hmm. where we look at um, public data points. Um, which is essentially a research project, uh, quite a lot of data out there. Uh, and we also have a number of um, attributes. We have 16 attributes that we, we look at uh, regarding the employer brand, and they can be applied to any data that's available. So 
if the company has done an engagement survey, if they don't exit or even um, you know first thirty day um, surveys, then that's interesting data as well that can be looked at. So I think any data that's you know within twenty four months old, uh, young, then that can that should really be crunched and see what we can uh, get in terms of employer brand from that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you might have to commission some some more uh, internal research as well. Yeah. It's interesting you say um, 24 months because I'd be really interested in your view um, on the, the, the lifespan of a research phase and when does the EVP research um, start to be a little bit updated and I guess you've said sort of two years there. Yeah. Um, how often do you think it should be, the EVP should be refreshed? I mean, ideally three years, but uh, realistically, probably every five years. Mm. And that's what I see at least. Yeah, Um, that's what I see in the marketplace as well. But I worry, especially in fast-paced marketplaces like tech, for example, in three to five years, there will be job roles that the industry is crying out for that don't even exist today. Absolutely. And I, th- I think also when companies uh, go through uh, perhaps an acquisition or a merger mm-hmm. and so on, those are also op- opportunities to perhaps refresh the EVP. So, yeah, I think for tech, the unit should probably bring it down to, uh, I don't know, a year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. Um, depends on how fast moving your industry is, really. Yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because depending on how long it takes to do the research, it's potentially a never, never ending sort of loop in, in some, some fast paced industries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you approach um, taking a universal uh, employer brand and then making it uh, relevant in different geographies, um, localizing and still keeping that sort of cohesive, you know, sort of global view? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think uh, some companies are taking more of a uh, you know a very decentralized view on mm-hmm. on employer brand, so they will set the framework centrally. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps with a partner, and come up with uh, you know all the toolkits and everything, and then that will then be sent out to the countries or market uh, areas, regions, have, you know, ideally with uh, some good training around that. But then it's really down to them to implement locally where it uh, works, um, you know, perhaps on language, and perhaps there are certain pillars that will work better in Brazil than it would do in, in mm-hmm. China, for instance. So that's one way of doing it. Other companies will look more at, okay, we look at specifically for, for jobs. So if it's engineers, we know that the EVP has to be tailored a little bit because this is what really matters to them. Um, or uh, certain countries, you know, health insurance might be more interesting in, in some countries than others. And so it's, um, yeah, it, it's really working with the company, see how uh, typically how they've grown. If it's a company that's grown by acquisition, they usually just let the countries get on with it, uh, send them the frameworks. Uh, but if it's grown organically, it's, if it's a you know, family-run business, then, then they want to have complete control centrally. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's, that's how we find it, where um, essentially it's more a case of um, reordering the priorities, you know, whether it's centrally or sort of geographically and sort of using different pillars for, you know, in, d- in different areas depending on the appetite or, or the, the, the local challenge. Yeah, is. but it's a tough one because you know, you spent best part of a year to develop a, a global EVP mm-hmm. and then you realise actually we might need nine variations of these mm-hmm. and that's, you know, the phase two of that project. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, someone has to sort of let go of their little baby. Well, that's right, and it can be quite an emotional sort of thing, can't it? You know, and mm. it's you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because that's why the research is so crucial because it's got to be evidence based. You know, it needs to be suitably human, right? But yeah. um, you know, to, to connect with, with the audience, but it can't be opinion led because then you got all sorts of of just biases. It's it's got to be driven by um, engagement and effectiveness and and what resonates, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, art and science. <laughs> yeah, who, who do you think is doing this really well? Let's put both of our client um, portfolios to one side. Who, who do you admire? Who's doing this great? I mean, you've, you've interviewed 50 of the, the top top leaders. Um, so I think um, Salesforce doing a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really, uh, you know, as you would expect from a, from a fairly mature tech company but still growing aggressively uh-huh. um, they're really out there innovating exploring new things um, working with uh, the likes of Glassdoor and so on and really trying to uh, you know la- latest they're, they're really trying to improve the in- interview experience so they've gone beyond just looking at uh, candidate experience and employee experience but specifically just interviews and they have a whole program where they they uh, train people how to do interviews these are the sort of questions you want to ask um, and even they, they interview the interviewers so people haven't got the right attitude then they're not allowed to do interviews mm-hmm. so just just doing a deep dive like that I think is really impressive and of course they are also typically rated one of the best employers in tech and uh, and also um, Mark Benioff the, the founder uh, I think he has made made a really good stand for uh, a lot of you know progressive uh, uh, should I say opinions in, in terms of you know politics and so on, and he's not afraid to say that you know let's boycott this American state because they they you know because of some of the laws and so on. Um, so whereas other CEOs and founders would really shy away from that, they don't want to mm-hmm. um, yeah get into trouble. But he's really made a stand, and I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, I mean Salesforce they top a number of different charts, don't they? Um, and they're in a very competitive, fast-paced. Um, industry. Yeah. Do you think that's an example of sort of going full circle to the start of the conversation? An example of where an organisation at C-suite level is prioritising employer brand and putting their people first, and it's a success story in terms of proving that if that is the case, then overall the company performs better. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because um, uh, I just remember now as well, um, they, from day one, Mark Benioff and the other founders, they've talked about this concept of ohana, which in Hawaiian means family. Mm-hmm. So it's from day one, they've always, it's always been about the people and having that family feeling. So it's a chicken, chicken and egg scenario here. Who knows if it's actually came around, you know, employee brand is, is more of a, a vessel for for this Ohana policy, or if it's vice versa, it's very hard to say. But they suddenly have a commitment to that, and it's and it, it's it's it has worked. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think if the end goal or the vision is you know grow a great company by appreciating your your people, then the employer brand strategy must be therefore prioritised. Absolutely, it completely plays into that for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, Jürgen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, 
I could I could talk to you about this all day actually. It's yeah. really, it's, really <laughs> it's brilliant to get your to get your view. So good that a lot um, sort of overlaps from our from our, our views. Could have been a, a completely different conversation if we had opposing views. Nevertheless, I'm sure both would have been really interesting to the audience. Well, yeah, sorry. Thank you so much for having me, and I'd love to have you on uh, on my podcast uh, soon, Brian. Yeah, well, we'll have to do that. But let me give you the last word. Is there anything that I can um, that we can draw the audience's attention to, Jürgen, before you go? Gosh, um, well, um, tell us about your pod- your podcast. If people, I'm sure most of the audience know, but tell us anyway. Yeah. Okay. Employerbrandingpodcast.com. So it's. Uh, it's, uh, it's like this, interviews with uh, employer brand leaders globally uh, on a weekly basis, uh, structure them a bit like case studies, and I don't expect people to listen to every episode. It's more dipping in when you see a company that perhaps is in your industry or a company that you admire, and uh, feel free to tune into that. We also do a couple of articles off the back of each uh, podcast episode, so it's employerbrandingpodcast.com. Fantastic. Thanks, Jürgen. Uh, I do advocate checking out that uh, podcast. It's got some fantastic uh, conversations and interviews on there. But that's it for another week. Join me next time for more storytelling insights. Uh, I'm Brian Adams, and that is a wrap.